Alright Raiders, Laura Gargar here, also known as Reduction Raider. How have you all been? Hope you've all had a good week. It's the weekend, eh? And if you're anything like me and think that the world's problems can be solved over a cold pint, you're going to absolutely love our next guest. So, without further ado, cheers! Hi, welcome to this week's guest. Can you start by telling us a bit about yourself? Hi, yeah, I'm Louisa Zayan. I'm co-founder and chief operating officer at Toast Ale. Uh, We brew craft beer using surplus fresh bread from the bakery industry that would otherwise have gone to waste. And then we use our profits uh, to support systemic change by funding charities that are working to change the food system. So I'm imagining... Um, your relationship with food consists of bread and beer, but <laughs> but I'm, prob- I'm probably wrong. I think that's probably just my fantasy. <laughs> I spend my weeks just drinking beer and eating bread. Um, <laughs> so what, what does your like? Um, I, I guess I have grown up um, as a vegetarian, um, so I've always um, had... Um, I guess a, an ad- adventure um, finding uh, like interesting food options it's much better um, these days um, but as a young teenager um, going out with friends um, and you know hanging out in places um, that were you know burger bars and uh, places that had very limited options was was quite challenging um, and really made me uh, search out for other options it's become much easier and more enjoyable and fun um to to be a vegetarian now um i have two little kids of my own as well who are also growing up vegetarian um because of you know so many healthy options uh, for them that it doesn't feel like um having to give anything up and um, in fact my kids are uh, more activist even than I am Uh, my husband's not a full vegetarian although he does mainly plant-based foods but uh, he um, has his ear bent quite a lot by the kids uh, if he chooses meat options on the menu Um, so yeah my, my kids are very active in their decisions about what they will eat and won't eat and and why and kind of the ethics behind it all um and we've got like very into growing food as well uh, so we've you know look to have our, our own garden space um so we use that um to grow some foods um but also you know lots of lovely plants for pollinators and um uh, and yeah kind of um a, a space to enjoy as well but um it's been really nice to reconnect the kids with the story of food where it comes from and um yeah kind of have that appreciation that makes us value food um i think which is one of the problems that we face as a society now where lots of people just don't know the journey that food has been on um 
and it results in huge amounts of food waste as a result so um, education starts young and it starts with being quite active I think in understanding um, yeah how to grow your own food and and how it's it's grown for us. Well it's funny actually because um, I was given a few uh, pots uh, last year for my birthday I'm not a green fingers you know I think <laughs> I had um, a very very brief fling with um, growing some I think it was watercress or rocket in a garden and planting some beans that didn't sprout and you know so it was a very short fling and um, but pe- <laughs> but people perhaps see something in me that I don't um, because I'm not one for plants either, but I got these plant pots for my birthday last year. And actually, I'm pleased because I've now spotted that there's a couple of chilies growing from the um, chili one now. So despite my neglect, cool. they are, yeah, really cool. They're coming through. And actually, today I was reading um, this article in The Guardian about a scheme called Allot Me. And basically, oh. yeah, it's sort of a bit of an Airbnb, but for allotments. So what you do is you get somebody that will live in space as a host um, and, you know, and you put sort of a monthly fee. It sounds like it's something from like 15 to 30 pound a month. And then somebody perhaps without a garden space, but wants to or can't get an allotment, but wants to grow their own veg can come and rent your garden. Um, I mean, I guess it's ideal for London where you've got a lot of people perhaps living in flats or don't have access to an allotment or gardens. And, you know, a work friend of mine was telling, sending me these pictures earlier of a, of a tomato plant pots and how they go out in the balcony and then come back in at night. And, um, yeah, so actually I am going to finish off my profile today and take pictures of my garden and I'm hoping to entice um, somebody round to sort of use part of it as allotment space. Um and also, I uh, then contacted somebody from a lot me and sent them a picture of my sage and sort of basically said help. Um, so they, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, so he gave me some good tips, and one of them was to sort of trim off the dead leaves. So speaking to you now, I sort of feel like yeah, definitely after this conversation, I'm gonna trim off the dead leaves. I'm gonna get some photos of my garden listed and hoping that I can get somebody around here then to. Um, so, yeah, do some planting and um, and it'd be a bit of a, uh, well, I guess, a bit reciprocal, you know. They can come and have some space and plant some vegetables and, um, you know, and hopefully give me some of their produce. Yeah. No, that's so cool because, like, I think we felt it really a lot through lockdown for people that didn't have that access to green spaces or, you know, the gardens of their own. It was a really tough time. Um and I think there's been a boom in allotments. Um, so, you know, the, all that we can do to use the land that is available, uh, whether that is, you know, public um, land, um, private allotments, people's gardens, you know, it's awesome um, to be using the land productively. And there's kind of, there's a, like for me, there's a real mental health benefit um, to gardening, maybe not for everybody, but there's something about, getting your fingers in the soil and um that real deep connection to the earth and then the joy in seeing a seed grow to a shoot and then that shoot 
like you know the beanstalk um tower above you um lots of failures as well um so there's a huge learning process in 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 growing but um yeah i think it's um it's really nice to have that connection with nature and if you can team up with somebody else if it's not your thing to do that then that sounds like an awesome scheme and so you know so all of this in terms of you know the gardening and the planting and the um ethics around food did they all sort of play a part when it came to uh, um sort of starting up toast ale yeah for sure um i'd been working uh in sustainability for about five years i was a consultant um working on carbon footprinting for products and companies um Prior to that, I was an accountant working in financial services, um, which had no um, relevance to kind of my my growing up or my personal values. Um, so um, I'd taken a career break from that and um, and studied for a while before I switched careers, but always from a very young age, been passionate um, about nature. Um, and yeah, I... I, I actually had met Tristram Stewart, who um, is the founder of Feedback, um, a charity that campaigns for uh, changes to the food system um, that started very much looking at food waste. They are the organisation that has raised the profile of wonky fruit and veg um, and many other food issues um, through campaigns with famous chefs like Jamie Oliver and Hugh Fernley Whittingstall and then hard-hitting research that they've put to government and industry um, so he had um, done a lot of work to um, to to really shake up policy and change people's understanding of what happens to food um, and he'd written a book called Waste um, that actually a friend had gifted me um as as a present and um and then yeah having met Tristram um and started working with him um and with with feedback uh, it was um yeah it was it, for me it was like the realization that this is what I want to be doing with my life you know I'm, I feel so connected to food as I'm sure many people do um and the interconnection with with climate and nature um, is so pertinent, particularly at the moment. Um, and yeah, Trist uh, Tristram had met some brewers in Brussels who had used some surplus bread from a local bakery to create a beer. Um, and he knew that there is so much bread that's wasted uh, in the UK, but all over the world, really. Um, and has through feedback and his work huge networks of people all around the world that are trying to deliver change um and yeah so we we thought let's um let's uh, use this concept to, um as a way of engaging people in not just the, the problems but the solutions and um you know, talking to people over a pint is a really nice way to start a conversation, um, to, to sort of start raising awareness about um, what the issue is, why food waste is a problem. Um, and it you know, really goes back to the fact that food production, the way we produce our food has such a huge impact on the planet. 
um, and yet we're wasting a third of everything that we produce. So um, it, it's not just the impact of that wasted food in terms of you know emissions from landfill for example but it's that waste of re- natural resources and you know the human um, love and and effort that's gone into producing the food in the first place that we're we're just trashing um and so yeah we are raising awareness about food waste but in a really fun and in- engaging way over a, over a delicious beer well it's fantastic and I was too gifted um Tristram's book um from a friend of a friend and it was really eye-opening I think especially when you sort of um I mean he touches upon uh, our differing attitudes towards food um sort of globally and culturally and and food waste and I guess even the sort of um this idea of, you know, some places you sort of, I guess, um, will leave food on your plate um, sort of as a marker of respect or, you know, some of us have sort of been brought up as make sure you finish what you eat. And I guess there's so many considerations and, you know, and I and I completely agree about it being a really sort of unique concept in talking about it over a pint. Um, because I mm-hmm. think, for one, this is where many of us love to put the world to rights, you know, right? When we're um, <laughs> sort of sat with a pint. But I think it is really interesting because, um, you know, you can speak more to this, but the campaign that you guys are doing where you've been um, sort of collaborating with other corporations um sort of making different beers you know like I had the mango one recently mm. and then you know then I thought of it found me sort of telling my sister oh you know there's this beer and it's beer surplus mango and like you said it just sort of get the it just get the conversation going and then you start thinking about other things that you can do with it um you know one of your beers I baked bread for the first time actually the first time I sort of baked the beer bread and um you know and then I was talking to somebody about the chocolate stout and they were sort of saying oh yeah it'd be good in chocolate cake and and it really sort of gets you thinking and having conversations that you might not have before yeah absolutely yeah so the series you mentioned is called rise up um, and what we wanted to do with that is to encourage people to be more activist and whether that is you know in your own own life um, by just thinking about your relationship with food um, and the changes that you can make to have a positive impact in a really fun way like you said like baking chocolate cake baking bread um, just enjoying a pint Um, and um, and and also as citizens um so like how do we push for change um with our representatives in parliament with our local mps so we launched this series called rise up which is a series of collaboration beers um seven different beers each that talks about part of the ecological crisis um to break down for people what we mean when we say the food system's broken um so we're talking about forests oceans uh, rivers uh, soil systems climate biodiversity loss and really importantly as well people um the injustices within the food system as well and each of those beers uh, uses ingredients from 
one of our partners. So we use Coco from Divine Chocolate. They have a business model whereby the farmers themselves are co-owners in Divine Chocolate, which means that they are financially incentivized to invest in their own land. Um, and it, it reduces problems of deforestation caused when like crops um, yields fall um, and normally that would in- encourage people to expand um, into sort of virgin forests. Uh, we worked with tea pigs and used some of their lemongrass from their lemongrass tea. They're the first company to be uh, approved plastic free by Plastic Planet. Um, I think lots of us now know about um, like the problems within the oceans, maybe have watched Seaspiracy recently. Uh, so ocean plastics is a problem. Um, and we talked about that, but also uh, use the platform to talk about other wider problems like overfishing and, and fishing destructive fishing practices um we worked with hobbs house bakery it's a really um beautiful bakery again a b corp um, based in the southwest um and talks about rivers which is about um, the way that we uh, farm the, the land using lots of chemicals which end up in our river systems uh, um, as uh, rain washes uh, the topsoils away or they're blown in or, or they come through the groundwaters. Um, and then, as you say, the Mango IPA, where we worked with Slawson Drinks and Odd Box uh, to take wonky mangoes uh, that were well either surplus or wonky uh, that when did not have a route to market. And so usually Odd Box through their um, awesome uh, um, veg box scheme would distribute those to to people um, or Flawson uh, makes them into pulps and then they create juices so we use those um, within the beer to talk about um, uh, biodiversity um, and so food production is causing huge amounts of biodiversity loss um, due to destruction of habitats um, climate change um, and so by reducing food waste, we can also reduce the amount of destruction that the, that we're causing by producing it in the first place. Uh, we've got three more beers to come after those as well with Rebel Kitchen, Rubies in the Rubble and Cafe Direct. Um, and all of those are in the lead up to COP26, which is the climate talks happening in Glasgow in November, um, where world leaders are, are coming together to um, agree how we'll meet the targets that were set in, in the Paris Agreement to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees. And at the moment, food systems are not part of the um, the plans that the UK are, are putting forward. Um, and we want to really change that because they have such a huge impact. Um, uh, and so, yeah, the, through the Rise Up campaign, people can also write to their local MP and ask them to to stand up for nature and climate um, in, in food policy. So with rubies in the rubble, can we expect a mayonnaise beer? Is that, is that, what, <laughs> <laughs> is that the next one to come? <laughs> we, we have had to be a bit creative um, to find the, the right ingredients for each partner. Um, but no, rubies also have um, a, a lovely range of chutneys, um and they um uh, they through their supply chain as well they have access to to other um fruits that might not always make it into um their own products but working with their their supply chain uh, we can 
um, you know, kind of rescue the, the fruits um, that they're not using. So it's um, uh, still to be disclosed what the beer uh, Ooh, is. Oh, I'm guessing, I'm guessing pineapple. <laughs> My money's on pineapple. And, uh, pineapple peel is what I'm guessing. And... <laughs> it is a delicious fruity one. Um, it's also going to be a non-alcoholic beer as well. So, yeah, really perfect for the for summer and light drinking. Oh, exciting. And actually, I did, um, I did write to my local MP and um, I won't name him. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to give him any airtime. But I did write to my local MP um, because you made it so easy with your template. And, you know, and so that was fantastic. Really, I didn't have to do much other than sort of, I think, click a link and, um was pretty much all I had to do because I think sort of, you know, with activism, it can almost sort of feel like, I mean, personally, I sort of feel like, oh yeah, that's great. It's a really great cause and it's great those people are campaigning, but for me to go out and do it, it sort of feels like a bit of an effort or for me to think, oh yeah, let me write to my MP. It feels like a bit of an effort, but when it's sort of made so easy for you to um, just make a difference by buying a pint or having a templated letter there that can go off to your um, MP or, you know, sort of finding out about, you know, the effects of food waste by watching one of your videos. Because even as I was listening to you talk and you were sort of talking about the um, effects on rivers and um, sort of land, you know, and people, I think that's the difficulty is that sometimes, you know, we might know, okay, wasting food is not good, but we don't always make the connection as to why, you know. Mm. So it's like... Yeah, it's not good to waste food, but we're not really sure why. Like, oh, well, it has a damaging effect on the environment. Well, how? And, you know, you know, almost like where there's sort of been these campaigns with who made your clothes. Sometimes I think we need more of that with who made your food. Where does it come from? Um, you know, because even sort of we're talking about mangoes and even the other day, uh, my sister and I were talking about um, mangoes and she was sort of talking about the different mangoes in some of them are getting picked before they're properly ripe to give them time to be shipped over and others are sort of um, waiting until they are ripe but then they're flown over and this is sort of reflecting in the price of the mango and you know but I think for your average layperson, we just turn up to your local supermarket. Where did you get your mango? Oh, I got it three miles up the road. You know, we're not really thinking about who planted that, who harvested that, how did that get here? Yeah, absolutely. And like any item of food, when you unpick the journey it's been on and, you know, all of these decisions that are made, um, it's, it, it, yeah, it's kind of can make you quite like shocked and also angry um, about what, you know what we're doing with food so even like with bread if you think about it it's um like wheat takes like three four four months to grow in the fields uh, so it's using up land um and taking nutrients from the soil to grow um often chemicals are used as well on the land um either to protect from pests or to help with harvesting to help the wheat open up um, and then it's harvested um uh, and, and processed the wheat and then it's you know, processed into flour and then that flour is is and and between each stages you know it's trans the flour is then baked into bread it's packaged up um often you know stored um lots of 
food stored in cool um, locations um, which are chilled in in hot summers uh, transported to um, supermarket shelves or you know your local your local shops um, and then because bread doesn't have a very long shelf life and people ex- you know want to buy day fresh bread bread um, it's probably one of those items that you will always find the yellow sticker option for um, and if, if it's not sold it, it's often disposed of um, hopefully more and more um, of the supermarkets and retailers are either donating large amounts to food charities or partnering up with apps like too good to go um, or olio and you know getting local um, communities to um, collect that food and then redistribute it or use it but otherwise the food um, is wasted uh, some of it and will hopefully stay fairly high up in what they call the uh, food hierarchy um so and keeping it in the food system by maybe using it for animal feed um or lower down being used for uh, energy uh, energy from waste um tends to if it's been packaged tends to not go to um composting because just you know you've got plastics in there if the, the if the bread's in a plastic bag um and in worst case it ends up in landfill really um and you know that whole journey you kind of you don't really think about when you go and pick up a loaf of bread um in the supermarket and then maybe don't finish it all at home um and yeah there's that is just shocking how much um there is as well in the uk we're wasting 44 percent of all the breads that we're producing and so that's all that whole journey you know from the the seed of wheat being planted in the ground to get that loaf onto the the shelves um, is uh, yeah it's a sort of shocking waste of the nutrients and all the energy that's gone into producing it. Well, that was definitely new information for me. That it takes three months to um, for wheat to grow and be harvested. I mean, I had no idea it was that sort of time scale. Um, and I think as well, there's almost something about like. The wastage of bread is so normalised in um, the UK, you know. So I was thinking about a while ago being at a bakery and there was this um, tiger bread, tiger loaf bread, and um, and there was one with a yellow sticker on, reduced, I guess it was uh, it sort of best before, and there was another one and, you know, the guy was going between the two and I was saying, you know, buy the yellow sticker, it's the same bread, it's reduced, you know, why not just take that? And he was sort of saying, oh, no, it's probably better that I take the fresh one. So he left there and I guess I'm sort of thinking about, um, I mean, this is my favourite part of the bread, but, you know, like the um, knob ends, people are often like, oh, no, I don't want to eat that, you know, so that's routinely wasted or... um, we have sort of crust cut off for um, perhaps sort of, you know, um, well, afternoon tea, don't they? you know, like the crusts are often sort of cut off. So I think there's almost this um, bread being wasted is quite normalised. I'm not, you know, I, I think sort of more so than other foods. Yeah, I think it's the, so it's the second most wasted food in the UK after potatoes um and yeah it's not even like those loaves on the supermarket shelves if you think about um 
like the hospitality industry. Uh, so the bread that we uh, were sourcing was those knob ends, those heel ends of the loaf, um, because they are automatically discarded when they're making packaged sandwiches. Um, you know, if you go and buy a, a, a pack of sandwiches on the shelf, they will never be made with those pieces of the loaf. Um, in and then you know lots of those sandwiches are left over at the end of the day in, in those um in those cafes and and um fast you know fast um food to go places and then you know hotels breakfast bars um just we we love bread you know you, you we eat so much of it and so it's everywhere and as a result it's just wasted in such huge amounts that actually um, a lot of the time the food charities are having or trying to turn away bread um, because it's too much uh, for them to deal with um, that you know it's, it is bulky and has a short life and um, it can become a waste problem for charities um, you know who are trying to feed people with um, nu- nutritious food so um, we really need to rethink like how um, yeah our relationship with bread and, and all foods really it's so true I mean I volunteer with um, food waste charity the Felix project and I've been out sort of and we'll go out and deliver food to um, you know sort of homeless shelters and you know day centers anyone that needs it and often you'll hear no more bread we can't take any more bread um and it's taken you to actually point that out for me to click hang about yeah you never see the knob ends in packaged sandwiches but I think there's a market for that you know like if someone said to me right you know what you can have this sandwich that's made of the knob ends I would definitely buy it I absolutely love a knob end I agree (laughs) (laughs) right absolutely and like whenever I tell this story to people people say I don't waste the crusts like I've never said that and somebody said oh yeah well I can understand that I don't like crust it is you know people will use them it's just um yeah I don't know what it is um whether they just they don't work so well in um in kind of those those fridges you know if they're sat in a packet in a fridge um or open fridge um in a cafe for a day and a half or day day or so if it I don't know or if it is just a perception that people won't eat them um by the food industry and nobody's really tried uh yeah I, th- I agree I think there's um there's a market for someone to open up a sort of crust toasties place well, it sounds like sustainability and you know and avoiding food waste has always been important to you I mean how does your current relationship differ from your past um, I mean, I, I guess I've always been very um, conscious of food waste. I grew up like we didn't have very much money when I was younger. Um, and um, yes, we didn't have like we didn't have cupboards full of food. It was kind of, you know, we I lived with uh, was just a single parent, my mum. And we just kind of had food that was for the for the day or the next day. I also um, lived with my grandma a, a lot when I was younger. Um, and so she instilled in me, you know, this post-war attitude of 
the importance of not wasting food and you know that um we can use it we can there's always a use for it and it is just doesn't make sense to throw it away and whether that was you know creating bread and butter pudding recipes or um recipes that i've um we did as a kid and i do with my kids now were kind of repurpose everything into ice lollies or some sort of you know ice cream with bananas um so yeah i guess it's been with me all my life and you know similarly with everything else i just don't i don't like waste it's um it's inherent within me well it, it feels a bit insulting to ask the next question of sort of what do you do well in terms of um food waste because it sounds like a hell of a lot <laughs> um yeah I mean what do I do well um I mean the beer is good that is uh, I guess the thing that I'm most proud of and not just that we're producing the beer itself so toast um, as a product but we open source the recipe and we collaborate with other breweries uh, to try to change the industry and not change the industry because the industry is bad but but we see that the industry can be you know a real beacon for what is possible um from a positive perspective um and so we want to um, help all brewers to engage with their local sources of surplus bread um, and use those as, as part of the brew process um, we've collaborated with about 55 breweries to date um, all over the world you know from australia to california iceland south africa um, and seen um, other breweries also be inspired even if we've not directly worked with them um, <clears throat> and seeing them work with some um, important partners uh, where change is really needed so some of the supermarkets have their own branded beers um, that that use bread waste um, as well so I, f- I feel like that is the biggest contribution um, that I've made and like I say at home we kind of we don't really have any waste food um because we find a way to use things up um and if we do um I have a little wormery in the garden so my pet worms get fed um so that we can keep the nutrients um and use them rather than buying compost and and don't get me started on peat compost um which uh, is um, hugely damaging uh, to the planet because our, our peat resources are um, locking in so much carbon. Um, so if anybody else is a, a keen gardener, please look for peat-free alternatives or you know, have a wormery and, or a compost heap um, to use up um, those um, like ined- inedible um, types of, of food. I mean, it's amazing that you guys at Toast are so transparent because, I mean, I'm just thinking out loud here, but I suppose I'm wondering if when you get sort of um, drink and food producers that perhaps want to keep the um, process or the recipe secret to sort of keep it very exclusive, I'm just wondering whether that contributes to waste as well. Um, I mean, I haven't really got an answer. I'm just sort of thinking out loud but I just sort of um yeah I mean I I can't imagine it's helpful to waste if sort of companies are very precious as to how things are done or what is used um 
because it sort of just becomes very rigid it doesn't give much room for flexibility yeah totally um you know and I think even um like even about you know being open around what businesses are doing themselves and how much food they're wasting is really important from an internal perspective to 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 incentivize that company to change through um i guess like a little bit of peer pressure and competitive pressure but also pressure from their customers um so defra and the government um department um are supposed to be putting out a consultation on mandatory food waste measurement and reporting it was supposed to be launched last year um but due to the pandemic has been delayed and still don't have a date on that but really um want to see that published and has hopefully moved um to encourage companies to be reporting um tesco uh, was one of the very first uh, supermarkets to do that um, and probably took quite a lot of flack because when you see the amount of food that's wasted it's pretty shocking um, but they you know the only ones that are actually reporting so it's you know, hard to criticize them um, for actually being quite progressive um, whereas others are, are not yet fully um, sharing what what's happening um, for them and then I think yeah with that transparency comes a bit more of an openness to um to tackle the problem um, and realize that actually we need to collaborate with others and whether that is with competitors or it's you know with our own supply chain and our own customers um to find ways to to you know make make small changes um i was listening to a podcast um just this morning actually um where someone from rap um another um government department was talking about the guardians of grub program where they work with the hospitality industry uh to look at how much they're wasting and measures to to reduce waste um for them and one example she gave was a restaurant um or a restaurant or a bar and they um just figured out that actually by slicing the lemon into smaller pieces from what was quarters to you know six or eights um to serve with the portions of food or put it put in the drinks it they were able to massively reduce the amount of lemons and therefore lemon waste um you know just from cutting it differently um so you know small things like that are really interesting but you've you've got to be measuring it in the first place and then talking to your customers and talking to your supply chain um but then yeah for us uh, it you know we are tiny we're there's a team of we're six people um and we are limited in the direct impact that we can have uh, but we're a mission we're a purpose-driven business um and to deliver against our purpose we need to shift the entire industry so it's very much part of you know our business model to um to share what we're doing um, and encourage others to adopt it is there anything that you want to do more of in terms of food waste uh, oh more um i guess we uh we have part of our mission is about um raising awareness and educating people so it's kind of understanding where the best place to do that is for me personally 
Um, I think it starts really young. Um, and so engaging with schools, um, my kids' school have got like an eco-school program where they've got the kids really engaged. Well, I, I say the school's got the kids engaged, but actually the kids are the ones that are really pushing this um now they're you know so knowledgeable and passionate and you know my I'm talking about an eight-year-old here um so uh I, yeah I think uh, there's there's a lot of um work to do with giving kids the tools um to to educate their parents you know and to um push their schools to to make changes that you know my eight-year-old they 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 have a um a sort of climate ambassador in each of their class uh, classes um, and they have an opportunity to get together and say what they don't like and what they want to happen um, and there's you know within the school canteens there's so much that they can do to um, to reduce the amount of, of food waste or if it, it you know is kind of genuine waste to use it within the within the school um, to I don't know, grow food on site and teach those kids about um, growing and that like circular system of putting those nutrients back in the ground. So I'd I'd love to do more um, on an educational ba- educational basis with with kids. I think definitely. I mean, you know, children are able to absorb so much information, and you know, and often the sort of enthusiasm and willingness to learn is there, especially if they are. Um, directly involved and then like you said you know they'll uh, more often than not be educating the parents you know with like your children sort of saying you know dad come on now eat a little less meat (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) you know sometimes I think sort of more so than um than adults in a way you know I think sometimes we can get a bit sort of stuck in our ways of well we've always done this this is what we'll always do and um whereas I think you know sort of children in some ways are are far more adaptable to change yeah I think that's absolutely right and you know they have a way of seeing things and saying things in very black and white ways um and so you know if you point out to kids that it's taken you know a, a huge amount of time and resources to produce this food um you know and even and that includes you know the the um canteens cooking the food or at home you know your 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 parents or your carers um, making that meal for you um you kind of you don't want to waste it but also teach kids like the other the fun things that you can do so like one of my favorite things to do with the kids is uh, using brown bananas to make ice cream um just chop up the bananas freeze them a bit blend them up and it's you know a dairy free um alternative to ice cream that's saving food waste as well and yeah fun and delicious for them absolutely and i guess as well children are sort of so much um more mindful and connected that sometimes we give them credit for you know like I remember when I was eight, I had a pet rabbit, Snowy, and um, and I was really upset when uh, 
I was on holiday with my mum and she ate rabbit, not my pet rabbit, but she, but she, it wasn't snowy, but she did eat rabbit. And, you know, and I mean, upset with her, like, you know, that sort of upset where you're thinking, I don't know how I can forgive you for this. So, you know, like, you know, I was, you know, really, really upset. I um, promise you I've been a bit of upset, but, but you know what? And sort of, you know, really, I was a meat eater. Um, you know, until definitely into my thirties, like definitely into sort of my late thirties, and but I never ever ate rabbit, you know, because I just couldn't do it, you know, because um, well, it was snowy, so I think you know, and that sort of stayed with me as a child, and um, whereas I didn't often always make that same sort of connection as an adult. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And there's something about nostalgia as well, you know, the memories that like fond memories you have, um, as well as memories like that, that are a bit negative. (laughs) Um, But yeah, memories of kind of like baking and uh, and cooking and and the foods that you eat, um, you know, I kind of remember the very first kiwi fruit I had and actually I was probably not a kid actually I was um, probably an adult because you didn't just you know didn't have access to um to to all foods when when I was younger um and that that those kind of positive memories really stay with you as well so yeah I think it's about creating a positive association with food um and teaching kids like why it's important but like you say yeah let let them teach us as well yeah so true and I think especially the um nostalgia you know like food can suddenly transport you back to a place I mean earlier when we were talking about um braid um you know I remember when I used to go food shopping with my mum and we'd be getting a bus home and she used to let me um eat the bread out of the packet so I would just, um, you know, sort of be picking at slices of bread and eating them on the way home. And, um, yeah, and I'm not sure why, but I did. And, um, yeah, and it sort of really, uh, yeah, like you said, it sort of really stayed with me, you know. So, um, you know, and bread is so comforting, isn't it? It's a real comfort food as well, bread. Yeah, it is. It's like the smell of bread, right? If they're pumping it into um, retail, you know, supermarkets to make us buy foods, then, you know, that's just kind of psychological proof that um, that smell of baking bread is uh, kind of has such positive vibes to it. Well, definitely. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, is there what sort of changes would you want to see in the world when it comes to food and food waste? Um, I mean, I, I think it is about making the food systems work for the planet and for people. You know, we're not just in a position where we're wasting a third of food waste. And from an environmental perspective, that is, you know, it's awful. Um, but there are so many people that don't have enough food to eat, um, don't have you know enough um, nutrients that... It's just um, it's just the injustice of the way the system works at the moment where it, you know, it's really profit is the kind of driving force. Um, I think that really, really has to change um, so that we, you know, we're farming in a way that respects 
it's nature that is kind of with with the land with our with our soils looking after our soils and looking after the creatures that <clears throat> that live um in the soils and, and out of them um the the you know the, the forest that surround the hedgerows etc um and and yeah making sure that that people have enough food um and and i don't think the way to solve that is by redistributing um surplus food to people um or making food cheaper um i think that's like quite a dangerous um route to go we need to make sure that people have um you know a, a, a fair income um have enough money to to buy food and so that means looking at the way you know that um that the 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 system works to to you know that we all have a good quality of life and and rather than degrading food let's upgrade people yeah absolutely i mean that is a really lovely uh sentiment and i guess you know sort of when you were saying that i was thinking about um is it was it marcus um marcus Waring. Marcus Rashford, is it? Who, um, yeah, yeah the, the footballer, the um, campaign around the, you know, meals for school children. And, um, you know, when you sort of think some of the uh, backlash around that as well, the, um, the sort of, you know, there's almost this, it can be this real demonising of people as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, food should be a right, you know, it's, it's, you know, a matter of, of justice. Um, we, sh- we should not have a society where people don't have enough food to eat, given how, you know, as a, as a country, how well, so, um, uh, you know, I think what he did was really incredible. Um, and that, you know, he, that he used his platform to stand up for people, um, but also made sure that he was listened to and and you know the u-turns that were forced because of the campaigning that he did and I, I just think he did it in such a way um that was so um it was so kind of honest and humbling and um yeah just warm you know he he it was just very genuine um that it uh, yeah, I would. I, I don't know how anybody could really disagree. With, well, I don't think many people did, but um, you know, with with um, the points that he was making. Um, but yeah, it shouldn't really take um, you know a, a young footballer to have to do that to get our government to listen. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I guess you know part of what he did was um, sort of reflecting on his own upbringing and you know some of the food insecurity that um, he experienced. You know, and you know you touched upon this and um, of a couple of episodes back, I um, spoke to Pauline Joseph and she was also sort of talking about um, food insecurity growing up and the way in which that sort of impacted on her current relationship with food and sort of food psyche as well. And um, yeah, and and I guess there is sort of something around people being connected, you know, because I think, you know, there will be some people that have very real experiences of... um, 
sort of not knowing where their next meal from or can't granted and I think you know and some people are just so removed from it yep um and you know it's um like I live in Walthamstow um and you know it's been really um I guess kind of shocking to see the growth in the use of food banks but also the amount of community responses um that um I've seen here uh, you know it's just it's been really really um really positive um so yeah we I live you know within a very short walk of three separate food banks um but also organizations um like there's a community cafe that works with a um uh, an urban farm um just um just, just yeah just on the outskirts um and they've been very active in trying in offering um ways that people can support by you know you buy a meal there and they will offer food for for uh, no cost for people that need it um there's been a like i, th- I mean i think that's one of the benefit one of the positives that came out of um of the lockdown that they did seem to bring communities together um i don't know if i'm kind of unique where i live but it's such a strong sense of community here um and you know people getting together to help their neighbors um and we've actually just uh, recently um there's a local artist who's building mini food banks uh, so we have something called the mini um mini libraries little libraries um where you can go and you they're just stationed at people's in people's front gardens you leave a you leave a book take a book uh, and he started doing the same um with tins and dried food um working with with people to install these miniature little they're little works of art really uh, modeled on um on local landmark buildings um and then volunteers and so you can you can pop uh, like you know a cannon maybe do that on a weekly basis add it to your shop and the volunteers come collect them um, and take them to the the local food bank so it's been really nice also to see like you know artists finding ways to support and engage people in kind of an awareness that there is this problem here locally um, as we you know there is everywhere um, and then make people feel empowered to help as well um, yeah, and it's yeah, it's just been really, really nice to see that evolve. Definitely, and I guess almost giving people the access to help as well. You know, like you know, put put putting something in the community fridge on your way home, and you know, just buying one thing extra when you're at the supermarket, and you know, and I think sort of access for people to be able to help is really important. You know, like what you guys do. You know, where he's a template for. Um, elect your MP, you know, was sort of making it really easy and here's a beer and sort of, um, you know, here's sort of some bite-sized information. I think also sort of giving people access and tools to help as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and people are ready for it. You know, they they want to know more, they want to do more. Um, and, um, yeah, it's just finding ways to uh, make it, like easy and and you know enjoyable to to 
fit into your life so um yeah we've we've found um we can kind of reach lots of people with the idea of a, of a beer then beer made with bread and then you know when people find out more about the reasoning for why we're doing this um it kind of gets people in uh, to understand at a deeper level um <clears throat> and you know people are always then wanting to know what what, what more can i do um uh, and you know whether that's what you know what other brands are there that are um that are um finding ways to prevent food waste or working on other issues in the food system that i can support um whether that's you know b corp community or sustainable enterprises or you know local um initiatives um and yeah and then yeah what more what more can i do really completely and i mean i guess we are um we're influential beings, aren't we? You know, it's almost the same way if you're sort of in a pub and you're saying, well, what are you drinking? Well, what are you drinking? You know, it's almost <laughs> like what are you doing? Well, what are you doing? You know, it's, um, yeah, I was with a friend at the weekend and she um, was telling me about some voluntary work that she's been doing at her local food bank. And um, this week I've signed up for another shift with the Felix Project. And, you know, and that's no accident, you know. I think even if it's just sort of her talking about that, giving me a bit of a prompt to think, OK, right, well, let me take on a shift, you know. it's um, So I think we definitely are um, influenced, you know. And it's... Um, even if that it feels subliminal, well, like you said, you know, sort of, the, you know, there's a reason that you sort of go into um, a store and you smell bread. And I think in the same way, somebody says, oh, you know what, rather than um, wasting this, I made this with it. You know, somebody else will sort of think, oh, well, why don't I give that a go? Yeah, totally. And like, honestly, don't underestimate um, like how influential um, you can be within your you know your own friends and family and colleagues etc um as well as you know through like social media channels um you know I've been kind of not I wouldn't say bleating on because I try to minimize um the amount of um talk about my kind of sustainable lifetime with with my friends who are sick of hearing it but this this year you know I've had quite a few of my friends just out of the blue message and being oh I'm looking at um you know what I can do about my washing products and um and suddenly see that actually it's kind of seeped through it's kind of some the people that might have not been thinking about it before have been hearing a bit a bit like you know the way your kids kind of over overhear the things you're saying and um when you're you you hear people talking about something enough eventually um it's yeah it starts to to influence their change but um yeah I, I did a similar thing I, I put a post on um Instagram about something I was doing with um with eggshells where you just you dry them out and then you crush them um, and they make a really nice plant topper. So if you've got house plants at home, it's, it's actually quite nice to um, to sort of seal the top the topsoil. Um, and um, and then I was talking to a friend uh, the other the other week, and she just said, "Look at my bucket of eggshells. Look what I'm doing. Look at my plants." And I was like, "Oh, I hadn't even <laughs> you know I'd just done it because I, I I you know I kind of thought it was cool." Um, and uh, and then realised that actually, yeah, other people are listening completely and we all want positive reinforcement don't we you know so if we're doing something and somebody else says oh that's really great and you know that's wonderful that you've given that a go you know we we all love that 
yeah totally um, and people build on what you've done as well you know so you'll say oh you know I, I've been I don't know um, using my uh, lemon peels in vinegar for example to make um, my own cleaning products and then um, someone will say oh if you also add in a few drops of essential oil then it smells even better and so you constantly discovering new things by by sharing what you're already doing and I mean I can't let you go without mentioning I spotted some beautiful pictures of you um on Instagram modeling (laughs) (laughs) Tracy Collective um yeah um, uh, yeah I guess I guess it was modeling I'm I'm definitely not a model so it didn't feel like it but it was uh, yeah they um they basically work with fashion houses who have like surplus fabrics and normally it would go to landfill um such a huge amount as you know as well as the clothes that we buy and wear and you know then then chuck in the bin there's so much from the fashion industry either that's you know a collection that hasn't sold and then they're into the next season and so that collections is um has to be discarded or just the the fabrics themselves so they work um with some really big fashion houses they're beautiful fabrics um and they yeah prevent them from going to waste um and instead make really beautiful clothes but it's also they they um are, are sort of raising awareness of the issue so similar to what toast is doing um they're talking about the problem of of waste um uh for for the fashion industry as well as having a way of demonstrating that this really shouldn't be wasted because it's beautiful fabric so yeah they're called the r collective the r collective yeah what does the r stand for um i think all of the r's so rescue reuse reimagine right 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 right. okay um yeah that's amazing i'll definitely look into that some more um and louisa you have been hugely influential to me i am definitely going to make sure that when i get off um finishing recording from you that I go and trim back this sage plant and I'm gonna take (laughs) some pictures of my garden and list it on a lot me and hope that somebody um takes me up on the offer um if people want to find you where's the best place to do that um if they want to find uh toast um the best place is uh, either toastdale.com um, our website um, or at Toastdale or one word um, or I'm on Instagram as Lou underscore Z L-O-U underscore Z-E-D Lou it's been lovely talking to you I've really really enjoyed it and it's been so much food for thought excuse the pun thank you so much for having me it's yeah yeah, it's been really nice to talk to you as well and thank you for inspiring me all the time with um with the stories that that you're sharing these podcasts um listening back to the past ones has been really awesome so many um great conversations yeah I've really been enjoying it actually it's so nice to talk to people I think especially in this sort of um social media age in which we tend to just be looking at sort of pictures um you know I've just made me realize today on um looking at Instagram that there's some 
that I've followed for years and I've no idea what their voice sounds like. And it's, um, <laughs> so it's been really great just to sort of connect with people and have some conversations. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, really, really nice. And um, hopefully now not too long until we can also meet each other in person. Definitely, over a uh, pint of toast. A beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely <laughs> over a beer. Yeah. All right, Louisa, well, look after yourself. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Laura. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Take care. Bye. 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 Here's to the freaking weekend, I'll drink to that, yeah, yeah. Here's to the bad brew beer, I'll drink to that, yeah, yeah. Don't let the... Alright, let me not let my singing get you down. But how amazing was Louisa Raiders? I found her so inspiring. She's so knowledgeable about food waste and really compassionate and she's definitely motivated me to make some changes so I am going to trim my sage before um, (laughs) I change my mind. I would love to hear any of the small changes that you guys implement feel free to drop me a line on Instagram or find me on my Linktree page Until next week, Raiders, take care. Bye.